Hey everybody, welcome to episode 4 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I'm your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. So this episode marks another first for the show. Last month in episode 3, I did my first ever track-by-track breakdown of Metallica album. This month, I have my first ever guest. He is the host of an Iron Maiden podcast called The Maiden Fan Podcast. And our intention was to talk for about an hour a single episode, discuss and debate Iron Maiden and Metallica, but we ended up talking for over two hours. So I did an introduction at the start of our chat, but I'm doing this separate solo introduction to let you know that this will actually be a two-parter. Part two will come out a couple weeks after this one as episode five. So... I was debating if I want to edit the conversation down, but I enjoyed talking to him. I enjoyed listening back to it, and I think you'll get a lot out of it. So that is the plan. So look for episode five, part two of this one in a couple weeks. Also, wanted to give you the heads up that the program we were using disconnected us a few times. So if you hear like an awkward edit, or you hear us repeat something, that was just us trying to pick up where we left off. I apologize ahead of time, but it definitely did not happen enough times where it should impact your listening pleasure. So without further ado, here is part one of Metallica versus Iron Maiden. Hey everybody, welcome to episode four of Metallicast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan. My name is Brandon. So this is a very special episode because I am being joined by my first ever guest on Metallicast. He is the founder of our home site, fans.experts.com. He is the host of an Iron Maiden podcast, the cleverly titled Maiden Fan Podcast. And unfortunately, he is also my cousin. Say hi, Mike. Hello there, Brandon. Hey there, buddy. Um, I really hope this works. We're trying a brand new kind of website to record ourselves. You broke up a little bit there, but again, nobody's listening to this podcast for you. So, pretty happy to be here. Pretty Funny happy you to say um, that because I'm pretty sure everybody is listening to this podcast for me because I represent the Metallica fans, which are way more diehard than any Iron Maiden fan. Are there even any Iron Maiden fans out there? See. It's funny, you know, I guess you could say there's more Metallica fans, you know, because a lot of people own FM radios. and they. I mean, they, I they could hear. say that because it's true. It's a fact. I, I would agree. There are, there, are, there are probably more Metallica fans in the United States. Um, and Just in the United ha- States. Just in the United yeah, yeah. States. Oh, not sure, all yeah. over the world. They're not a global band no. at all. You're right. Oh, no, they're a global band. I just was saying that there's more uh, uh, fans for uh, Metallica in the United States. And I mean, it's fine. I mean, they, you know, people love FM, you know, the FM rock stations. That's a great place to hear new music. <laughs> Wait, and, what uh, is, really- first of all, I have two questions right now. What is FM and what is a rock station? Is this 2018 or is this uh 1988? I'm, I'm very confused right now. Well, uh, Brandon, when I was a, a young, young man, 
uh, in the 80s. Um, you never my really knowledge. I'm sorry? Have you ever been a man? When I was a young boy um, <laughs> in, in the 1980s, um, I used to go to a place called the Methuen Mall. And there were these certain gentlemen there that we would call mall rats. They mm-hmm. wore jean jackets. Uh, they had long hair and they had Metallica patches all over their jeans and dungarees. They might have had Iron Maiden patches. I don't know if I remember, to be honest with you, but I remember seeing Metallica patches and not knowing anything about that band, just knowing that uh, they were scary. And, uh, <laughs> scary and in what they, way? Just well, I was a kid. Um, they weren't poison. They weren't winger. They were. <laughs> I they were heard scary. you do a great talk dirty to me too, just for the record. <laughs> Thank you. So. They, hey, you yeah. can play that if you want. You have the rights. Um, but they were a band that I I knew from the backs of Jean Jackets. I knew from seeing them like albums in, in the store, but didn't know what they looked like. I didn't know like why aren't they doing you know um, you know splits and kicks in the air and, and and waving their hair? I don't know. I don't know who this band is. They were scary to me. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, uh, certain, uh, music television made me aware of, of, of the band that you like to call your quote unquote favorite. Interesting. Interesting. So full disclosure, um, we're going to have a debate here, Iron Maiden versus Metallica. And, And I'll talk more about that. Full disclosure though. I am a big Iron Maiden fan, and I think I could classify you as a big Metallica fan as well. Yeah, I'm a big uh, Metallica fan. Obviously, this is uh, this is really just to um, take a shit Yell on as much as possible. Yeah, this is just to like kind of shit yeah, on each other, exactly. Which we do all the time, anyways. But now that just gives us right. an excuse and kind of organizes our shit talking in a music nerd platform. Yeah. Basically, what we're doing right now is inviting everybody uh, to Easter morning. <laughs> Wait, where's the kielbasa? Where's the there's kielbasa? The, the kielbasa, and there's no. And the the nice thing is, is we both team up together to shit on your brother for his love of corn with a K and backwards oh. R. Yeah. All right. So. All right, I feel like this needs a little bit of an explanation because everybody listening to right now is like somebody listens to corn. Um, so I'm the youngest of three boys. The middle, my middle brother, he's a very disturbed young man who still thinks that new metal is a thing that is, but he still thinks those new metal bands are relevant and important and good. Um, and corn is his all time favorite band. Now, to his credit, out of all those new metal bands, Corn has had probably the best staying power, and they at least have a sound that I can, you know, define as their own. But at the end of the day, they are Corn. <laughs> Your brother doesn't believe me. I don't think he believed me when I said I don't know any Slipknot songs except for that "Wait and Bleed." I don't know any other songs. He did. He did not believe me. He thought I was making it up. But I would not even classify Slipknot as like a new metal band. Like Slipknot's like straight up metal. Okay. Thing. I guess what I do is I classify everything that he likes and, I, <laughs> and that's it. It goes, it goes through the, uh, the, the, the mat filter in new metal to me. And I know Slipknot, I know they're not. They, they're the ones who wear the masks and bang on garbage barrels. I, I understand. <laughs> Let's clarify a little bit. I mean, 
my brother loves uh I mean he likes bands like Slipknot and yes he likes Metallica and Megadeth and but like his really his bread and butter are like rap metal bands. Let's clarify. They're rap metal bands. Like oh, yeah. he's still he goes out of his way to see head PE. Yeah. He he still maintains the Limp Biscuits a good band. <laughs> I yeah, love how um, this is just already turned into <laughs> shitting on my shit brother on who's not even here. <laughs> to defend right. himself. He wouldn't know how to do this if his life depended on it. No, he's he's still trying to he has no clue what a podcast is. No, he listens so, to CDs. Speaking of FM rock radio, he's still listening to that and buying. Yeah, he. I think he, legitimately he does buy CDs. <laughs> Absolutely. The only you CDs know, I buy are Iron Maiden CDs. Mm, interesting. The only albums I buy are Metallica albums. The rest I stream right. through my monthly subscription of Apple Music. So. Um, so, all right. So let's get back on track here. So. You know, I'm a Mana fan, you're a Metallica fan. So you saw these mall rats wearing the Metallica patches. Yes. Um, let's go from there. So you saw them initially on MTV. Yes. Back in the day when MTV was actually music television. And not only played videos, but actually played metal videos. Yes. Well, I don't know if I saw this on Headbangers Ball, which I was a loyal viewer of, but... You know, this has had to be, I don't know, when one, one was it 1988, 87? Um, I was. The album came out in 88, so the video is probably like 89. Okay, so I was like se- seventh and eighth grade when that came out. Um, you know, I, you know, thought it doesn't get better than White Lion. It just doesn't. But <laughs> Which you still time, argue some days. You <laughs> that's know? true, that's true. So it was, you know, seventh grade... I think is when I started getting into Guns N' Roses. Uh, eight, sixth grade was Kiss. Seventh grade, Guns N' Roses was you know a little harder here, a little but harder. This is uh, not to interrupt you again, but this is no makeup Kiss. This is eighties Kiss. Well, I this, that's what was out at the time. Um, yeah, yeah. My my brother went to the Crazy Nights tour. Uh, Ted Nugent opened for them. Wow. But um, yeah, this was the first time that they had makeup. Well, this was after the first makeup run. Uh, when we when we wished and prayed that they'd put on makeup, and now they they'll never go away. <laughs> I'm almost positive all four members of Kiss are dead, and they've been replaced. Um, you, you've seen The Walking Dead. It's based yes, Kiss yeah. is basically that, just exactly. with Kiss makeup. Yeah, exactly. With yeah, they, they're basically The Walking Dead, but with much better licensing. <laughs> so I. Saw one. That was like the first time I saw Metallica. Even the video, even in the video, you could barely see them. You know, it was mm-hmm. scary. Um, and I, I liked the song, and I thought, huh, maybe I do like that band, Metallica. Cool. I gotta say, that's quite the introduction to the band. You know, like it is a uh, an eight plus minute song, right. and it just builds up into complete thrash craziness at the end and it's that's the still to this day in 2018 the most depressing music video i think i have ever seen yeah it's pretty pretty depressing um but uh so it wasn't until so i'm I'm gauging this was probably at the same time seventh grade eighth grade um but it was i know for sure in eighth grade is when i discovered uh iron maiden we'll get to that we'll get to that so Metallica, I knew one. That was the big one. That was it. I didn't have 
any Metallica albums. Uh, it wasn't until 91 when the Black Album came out that I said, I'm going to officially go buy my first Metallica CD. I went and bought it, and the rest was pretty much history. Now, I play guitar. I try to. So I had the tablature book for the Black Album. I had all these... Um, these uh, like I, I would get metal magazines and I'd put the Metallica, you know, I cut them out, put them up on the wall. I also had Lita Ford and Whitesnake up there, but Metallica was one of them. Um, and But it really was just the Black Album. I I had the Black Album from, you know, my freshman year of, was it 91? was probably sophomore year of high school is when I bought it. Um, 92 or 93, my junior year, I saw them uh, at UMass. They were just by themselves. It was that that like the stage with the snake pit. But when I went to see yeah. them again, it uh, evening uh, with Metallica tour. Yeah, yeah. There was no opening yeah. act or anything. Yeah. Uh, I went with my brother. Did they play the uh, like that video beforehand instead of having like an opening act? Yes, like with the Western. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And even at that time, because I got the tickets like through a guy at school, it was like kind of quick. It wasn't planned ahead that much. I still had the Black Album. And I knew one, and that was really it. Um, hmm. and, it and then I think it was finally my senior year of high school. Uh, I was able to see them uh, the for a second time. This time they were playing at the Cheshire Fairgrounds in Keene, New Hampshire. It was the, wow. the the bill of Metallica with openers Danzig and Suicidal Tendencies. So at wow. this time, um, I'm already dating my wife at this point, and I think she wanted to go, and I was like, "Ma'am, um, okay." <laughs> Luckily, she backed out. It was wonderful um, because there was no way that would have worked. Um, so that yeah. was you know, I just graduated high school. So this is still, you know, to me, I feel like I, I'm still late to the game with Metallica, with Metallica as far as mm-hmm. you know. I was old enough to know these younger these other albums, but I really didn't know right. anything until the black album so this was another year later they're still touring on the black album um but they uh, it was the hottest day of my life i'm in a black t-shirt and jeans um my first kind of mosh pit and i'm a pretty a big kid i'm like six one i'm a, a little chubbier back then probably even um i just graduated high school so i had my freshman like college hat backwards i was like yeah i'm a college kid now and um, <laughs> you know, uh, Danzig, I had You're some dating stuff yourself already by saying you had a hat oh, yeah. backwards. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So I just turned my other hat. But I, I'm wearing a hat backwards now. Um, uh, Danzig was like every song sounded the same to me. I just until mother, oh, no. until mother came on, and I I yeah. distinctly remember wrapping my arms around my friend and swaying back and forth, and my feet weren't even touching the ground. That's how smushed we were. Suicidal Tendencies came on. Um, there was a bassist. You may be familiar with him. Um, they, I knew a bunch of songs from them because I had some CDs. And uh, by the time Metallica came on, it was so hot, Jason Newstead passed out. Um, and they, they ended up finishing the show as a threesome. Wow. Not a threesome. That sounds dirty. They ended up as a three-piece. I don't know, whatever. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of turned up the... the they said they turned up the back end on like their guitars to fill it up a little bit, and they, and by that time, my brother and I already made our way to the back because it was yeah. we were melting. That is what uh, they call was, professionals. Yeah, it's 1994, and that was the last time I saw Metallica live. Wow, interesting. Yeah. But it was right before that album that that right before that concert. 
that 94 concert. That's when I said, okay, I need to, I need to brush up on this. So I went and got, um, uh, two albums. <laughs> they were Injustice for All and uh, Master Puppets. So I got it. Yeah. And I, I say, I play guitar. I was already well into Maiden by then. Um, so I was like getting into, it was pretty easy to get into. And I remember I was the kind of kid who would bring, um, this, their tape to the guitar teacher and say, can you, can you teach me this song? Right. And I just remember listening to, um, this was a CD listening to master puppets and thinking that my CD was skipping because of the weird time changes. I was like, <laughs> what is going on? This is like, like maiden is known for having these, these kind of changes in the middle of their songs, but not, right. not like these weird, like the riff is a weird time change. It, it, for, right. yeah. it for the first like handful of times listening to it, it didn't sound right to me. It sounded weird. Huh. That's interesting to hear. Yeah. You know, like so, the the riff when they're when during the verse. Right. Well, I mean classic Metallica, they would do especially like I, I say they would because more so like well, their couple last albums and but more so like their classic like first four records, they would change time signature or meter for like a measure randomly it's so you'd have like four four just going like da, 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 da. and then you just have a random odd time signature out of nowhere for like a fill and then it's like back on the four four and they're just always alternating time and yes. going off from there and uh yeah but you're right too like made in very progressive band and a lot of changes but you're right with the were more I feel like when Maiden changes, the whole band, yeah, 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 it's a feel. It's a feel. It's like a whole different chunk of a song, and then yeah. it goes back. Yeah, totally. So let's transition now to all right. So that's how you got into Metallica. How did yeah, you get just, into just Iron to, Maiden? Just to say, finish that real quick. Is so yeah, I, I bought. I bought Justice. I bought Master Puppets. Then I went back and bought Ride the Lightning. Um, from there, I you know bought load, bought reload. I did buy um, Saint Anger. Is that the next one after load and reload? Um, I yeah. tried. To, I tried. I tried with Saint Anger. I was talking about it. I was telling my brother, "Look, it's good. It's good." Then I just kind of didn't want to listen to it anymore. So that's uh, just to be honest. I feel like um, I need you on board again in the for a future episode. We I've talked about this offline with you for uh, like a Saint Anger album did just to give you an excuse to revisit that and yeah. like hear it with fresh ears and see what you think because I, I i'm not going to go off on a whole tangent here because that's not the focus of this show right now but i i like that album i'm going to defend that album still i will stand by that album for a lot of reasons but i also understand that it's an imperfect album to say the least and i understand the criticisms it, it got but so anyways, i don't even so. know if it is i just know it's it just it didn't connect to the point where i wanted to go back to it so I, that's, I would like to. That'd be good. And I didn't buy um, whatever they did with uh, Lou Reed. I know you uh, did. Nobody did except me. <laughs> it sounds um, like. So every Metallica album that came before and after sells, you know, whatever, like hundreds of thousands of copies in its first week. Even like their new album in 2018 when albums do not sell 
sold whatever, like 200,000 copies in its first week, which is great for 2018. Uh, that album, I think, sold like 30,000 albums <laughs> total, like to this day. Like, <laughs> What is that album called? Lulu. Lulu. And was it Metallica or was it just called Lulu? It was Lulu. It was Lou Reed with Metallica. But it, okay. it it's a Lou Reed album. That yeah. um they're the backing band. It, yeah, they're a backing band. But Metallica it, And I remember Howard Stern there was a song they really he really liked that he played on there. And I forget what it was. Like June something junior son, I don't know what it was. Junior Dad? That is it, exactly it. Yeah. Yeah, you're referring to the twenty minute album closer. Uh <laughs> literally twenty minutes. That, that's an oddball album. I would love to dissect that album with you too, because that is <laughs> That would be. Funny. I mean, it it gets no weirder than that. Um, but I mean, that was a Lou Reed album that Metallica contributed to. That's not a Metallica right. quote unquote album, you know. So yeah, and, I, and so I didn't have that. I did, of course, buy Death Magnetic, and of course, um, Hardwired to self destruct, or is it just Hardwired? No, Hardwired. To hardwired self-destruct. to self destruct. Um, yeah, but. But there's one album that I didn't mention that I've never owned, and I couldn't tell you. I know the some some of the songs on there, but I don't know the album all that well. Kill them all. I've never owned it. Wow, never That's owned surprising. it. I know Creeping Death is on there. I know Seeking Destroy. No, Creeping Death's on, on Ride the Lightning. Is it really? I didn't yeah. even know that. Nah, see, but Seeking Destroy is on. Uh, okay, Seeking Destroy. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Um, also, just just to just to make you feel good, uh, when I saw them in '94 with the suicidal, and I think they were they were touring for so long they didn't care about opening with Enter Sam anymore. They opened with Bread Fan. Nice. And I didn't know I didn't know it was a cover. I didn't know the song, but one of the one of the kids, one of the kids, he's, a, he's an old man now. <laughs> but <laughs> one of the kids, kids who was there, that he's, he's one of the people that he was one of the he was in one of the groups at the last Maiden show we went to, but. He, he is, he's like you, you know, where, uh, I honestly, he's a kid I grew up with, a kid I went to high school with a couple of years ago. We just so happened to be on jury duty together and we would, uh, drive in to Boston doing jury duty. And he was playing like all these Metallica things for me. So he is literally <laughs> you and he went to high school with your brother. So see, there you go. Maybe he does he do podcasts? Maybe he has to come I on the. Don't think so. Cast, this know? kid is very <laughs> Italian. He's so Italian. He has six children. A six. <laughs> he has he has he has no time to listen to he half no a podcast ever. He's like, yeah. like I remember seeing him a few years ago. He had two kids, and then he had another one, and then he had twins. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> yeah, the Italians and the Irish. Trust me, I married I mean, into yeah. an Irish family. They just multiply like yeah crazy it's like our family we're like two and for some reason your family was like yeah, we'll have one more and then you came along <laughs> well you know my parents decided that um third time's the charm we had two failures let's try one <laughs> more time and hopefully we get it right and they said you know one? what it didn't work let's just quit while we're ahead we have all we these have, mouths to feed <laughs> we have one son who does not listen to metal we have another son that thinks corn is metal. Let's try again. <laughs> right. That was their goal. Yeah. They just wanted a legit metalhead as yeah. a son. Um, but that's pretty much so my now, Metallica journey. So now Iron Maiden. All right. So let's. Iron Maiden. Uh, okay. So how do we discover Iron Maiden? You're now I got to say, before you get into it, you are by far the biggest Iron Maiden fan 
that I know. Um, I have a memory of being a little kid because I'm several years younger than you. Uh, are you 10 years younger than me? I think so. That sounds about right. What year were you born in? Roughly. 85. Ooh. So, wait a minute. I can't do math. Uh, you're not. No, you're not 10 years old. Nine years. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Close. Yeah. So, I... <laughs> crazy, right? So, I had this memory of being a little kid going to your parents' house. Whoa, whoa, or, whoa, whoa. I, I, you weren't supposed to remember that. I told you to block that out of your mind. <laughs> <laughs> the mind will not forget. <laughs> it is, I'm scarred to this day. I have actually two completely random memories of being at your house. One is seeing, uh, for the first time ever in my life, the live shit binge and purge box set. Because I was like, oh, I know that band Metallica. I like the Black Album. I have the Black Album on cassette. This is like, you know, third, fourth grade brand that I'm talking about. That's right. I do I'm like, that. Yeah, I'm like, that box set, that says Metallica. And it says a naughty word that I'm not supposed to read and say. <laughs> and I said, get out of my then, bedroom, Brandon. <laughs> and then, well, speaking of your bedroom, the other memory I have is you had a big ass trooper poster, which to this day is still my favorite Iron Maiden song and my favorite Iron Maiden image of Eddie is uh, that trooper poster that you had in your room. It is, it is pretty great. It was pretty great. Um, yeah, that I think that went away when I moved to college and so suddenly my room became a quote unquote extra room <laughs> that could have been used <laughs> for anybody. Um, but yeah, so... If if anyone is interested in subscribing to an Iron Maiden podcast, uh, look up the Maiden nope. Fan podcast. I, was, I, start, I started that back in 2008. I ended it back in 2009 or 10, and I'm bringing it back. But the first episode of that, I kind of go through my full Iron Maiden history. So I'll give you a, a bridged version. This one's only going to yeah, be about- In a bridged version, this check out the podcast minutes. for the full unrated director's cut. So I knew of Iron Maiden as a band. I knew them because a kid that I grew up with um, listened to them and loved them. He is he is me basically. You think he he, he is he's a, the original me. If you think of me as a Maiden fan, he is the same thing, if, if probably more. Um, so, but I didn't know any songs until one day I was watching Headbangers Ball and I saw a live oh no i saw a video for iron maiden can i play with madness and i'm watching it can i play with yeah. madness and, I'm, and i was like playing i was also playing can i play with myself it was a saturday night um, and i was <laughs> wait, watching wait, wait, it wait, 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 wait. wait I, I got were you playing with your were you, were you playing with your madness while they played with their madness at the same <laughs> was, time was this like i was okay, iron maiden with, hand in hand no pun intended there, right you know? i would say more like iron maiden was playing with madness and i was playing with sadness <laughs> <laughs> that that is the name of your memoir can i play with sadness? absolutely yes <laughs> <laughs> that should be that really should be that would be tremendous um <laughs> So that album came on and it was a weird album because I don't, I think the band is in it maybe for a second. I don't even know if they're in it at all. There's, there's like school 
like British like school boys, and one of them fall. They're like walking around getting a lesson, and somebody falls no into some kind of hole. No wonder you were playing with your madness. <laughs> right. <laughs> Someone falls in a hole, and I swear there's like uh, there's some animation in it. I I have to. It's been a while since I've seen the Can I Play with Madness video, but the song <laughs> stuck with me because it was catchy. I thought this guy. I, I'm into singers who sing, um, and I'm in. I if you get me with a catchy, you get me with a hook. You know, right. it pulls me in. So, and that was like, why? I was like, wow, that that's that band, you know, that has a catchy hook. So, um, I saved up some money at Straw, and I went to my local Strawberries. And I was a Saturday night, probably came, you know, went out, went to four o'clock mass with the family, probably went, uh, I forget exactly where we went, but I'm going to say we went to Strawberries and I bought Iron Maiden's Seventh Son of a Seventh Son on cassette. Nice. Brought it home, put it into my boombox uh, radio. Hit play, played the song. Go, I think this is the song I like. This, and then I, <laughs> no, that's not it. Then I played the next song. Go, I think this was the song from the video because back then it was like you hear it once and that's it. Yeah, no, that's not it. And then, uh, oh, here it is. Can I play with Madness, Which I think is the fourth song of the album, if I remember correctly. I, if I can go by memory, it's Moonchild Infinite Dreams. Um, uh, oh my God, it's the. Um, the love is a razor, and I want the light of that silver blade. I I can't think of the song. Stuck in the dust with his daughter, eyes red with the slaughter of innocence, and I will pray for you. I know the song too, and I so I'll call like, your you know, name. Like, but you're the you're you're the Iron Maiden source. You're supposed to know this. Come on, come on, come on. Living on a razor's edge, balancing on a ledge. It's the evil that men do. Oh, so stupid. The evil that men do. There you go. Now that can't this you see I don't have this right. I think it's can I play with madness then the evil that men do. Then this is the second side and back then it was the second side it was always harder to go to. Um I want to say then it's a uh, seventh son of a seventh son. Maybe clairvoyant prophecy and uh So I'll tell you good I'll tell you right now. I have it I just pulled up a problem. Okay. Okay, I'm going to do it again. Ready? Okay. See if I you call it. so it's Moonchild. Correct. Um, Infinite Dreams. Correct. Can I play with Madness? Correct. Uh, the Evil That Men Do. Correct. Then I'm going to say Seventh Son of a Seventh Son. Correct. Um, the Prophecy. Correct. Clairvoyant. Correct. Only the good die young. Ding, ding, ding. Pretty, pretty good. And to me, that's when I started to think an album has eight songs, and this is how they're divided. And the, you know, I always go like the third song, the fourth song. When I do mixtapes, I was always like, you hit them with the first song, great, but it's the third, fourth song that's when you're gonna, you're gonna punch them right in the balls. Interesting. So, so I bought that album and I listened to it a lot. I was already going to guitar, you know, every week. So I think I brought my tape in, and the teacher was like, "Yes, all right, awesome." I went. I have and, a. Uh, I have a told, very clear picture of this guitar teacher, by the way, without ever having met him. <laughs> he okay. He was awesome. He had long blonde hair, dude. That was I, awesome. the image I had in my head. <laughs> he was. I think he went to school for for you, Lowell Music. He like he could like he was like classically, you know, playing. Yeah. And I was just like, I don't want to learn how to read music. Give me the tab for this. And get out of my way. Um. <laughs> And so, Seven Son of Seven Son. Then I might have bought the first Iron Maiden album. I didn't even know that they had a, a, a different singer for the first couple albums. Um, 
And but what I started doing then was I told Bill at school, uh, young Billy, and he started bringing in tapes for me. So he gave he let me borrow uh, Live After Death, let me borrow Number of the Beast, let me borrow Peace of Mind. Um, I think he let me borrow Power Slave. I don't know. So basically, I started just you know jumping in and listening to it constantly. Um, I broke my arm and uh, my parents bought me Live After I Death. I told you, I believe your parents told you to lay off on the madness, and you still broke your arm doing it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And one of the greatest things ever is my grandmother uh, went into Record Town at Methuen Mall and bought me Number of the Beast. Amazing. I mean, how awesome is Amazing. that? Amazing. Church, so, you're a church-going Catholic grandmother. Oh, yeah. Probably went right after Mass. Yeah. Um, and she she told the story forever. The guy's like, this is not for you, is it? She, goes, oh, <laughs> she told that for years. Amazing. So, Love you, Grandma. <laughs> but but I, started, I, I, I started knowing all these songs from Live After Death. And right. I started realizing these guys, you know, before Iron Maiden and Live After Death, I would see these other bands, these hair bands playing live sometimes, and they didn't they didn't always sound great. And to me, I was like, this, these guys play it exactly the way, which you could say is a good thing or a bad thing, but they, at least for the most part, they play these things exactly like they're on the yeah. album. And to me, I was like, that's so awesome. Um so I, this was 1990 by this point. Um, I'm buying, every, I got a bunch for Christmas. And now I feel like I'm late in the game as far as Iron Maiden. So they, at that point, Seventh Son was out already. So they had, I'm going to go with it. They had uh, Iron Maiden, Killers, Number of the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave, um, Somewhere in Time, and Seventh Son, which of course is the seventh mm-hmm. album. They've had like nine albums since then. Um, then my nine first albums music- just in the two thousands. They are cranking out right. albums <laughs> like left and right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, um, so they, uh, at that point, they they finally had a brand new album. Uh, brand new. Uh, this was my first album as being a fan. Uh, Adrian Smith, the guitarist, had left the band. They bring in uh, Bruce Dickinson had a solo album that I, I bought and loved, and Yannick Gers, who was in that band with him, he came into Maiden, and then they put out uh, No Prayer for the Dying. At that point, um, they went on tour, and I was me and my brother were in Disney World. Uh, we went with a friend and his parents, and got on the the uh, payphone to make sure that my dad didn't screw up when he went and got me and my brother tickets to see Iron Maiden in 1991 in Worcester Centrum with Anthrax nice. opening up for them. My first uh, my first concert. That ever. is a hell of a first concert. Maiden and Anthrax. Great concert. It was it opened up with Tail Gunner. Um, it was their, you know, now everything, every video I've seen, they had these elaborate stage shows. No, this time they went, they went with like a curtain, <laughs> I think that was it. Um, Bruce was wearing jeans and, and a leather jacket. I still had the long hair then. And, you know, it was awesome. It was awesome. But it was, and I knew every song. It was like, I knew, I was like, I studied it. I knew every and word And your father was song. there. Um, uh, no, my parents dropped yeah. us off. And then went off to dinner yeah, and then came I, back. I really wanted I to know what my uncle thought of Iron Maiden Anthrax. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because I think he kind of liked Iron Maiden he, Anthrax. He probably liked the but operatic would, you know, vocals, I feel like. He's, and 
Exactly. There's a lot of theatricality. And and he's a musical theater guy, so... you know, he's an English major and Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner came on and he's like, he was like, he knew some of the words. I was like, how do you know this? Let me up. My, you're pinning my hands. Sorry. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about. You can edit that part out. Um, but I was like, how do you know this? And he's like, oh, I know this. And uh, and I mean, I brought that tape to English class a couple times because of Rhyme right. of the Ancient Mariner. Um, so... I remember being in that concert and being like, there's like 40-year-old dudes here. What the hell? This is crazy. Iron Maiden. And I remember being at the concert, you know, before that, I went to a couple like Battle of the Bands that I knew kids were in, you know, and maybe five rows behind me, Anthrax goes on and this guy's like, Anthrax, you fucking rude. He's like, this is the greatest day of my life. And you know what's awesome is that um, that guy and- is still at an Anthrax show somewhere. Doing that same damn thing. Exactly. <laughs> uh, next thing you know, they put out Fear of the Dark. I was like, great, awesome. It was like, I was like, this is, it was, you know, a little different, but I liked some, I, I loved it. And there's a bunch of great songs on it. I think I've learned, grown to appreciate Fear of the Dark more um, over time because it was some the slow parts yeah. and fast parts, you know. And then uh, Bruce leaves the band. And I remember they had a pay-per-view concert with a magician. What? Um, I'm not sure I've never heard this before. They, no. Okay. No, so, so this is Bruce's – Bruce is leaving the band. They kind of had a concert, you know, knowing he was gone. So they had – I forget the, – the, the magician's name is like Simon mm-hmm. something or other. Um, and he kind of co-produced this oh concert, which it was – it wasn't. I don't even think it was live. Mm-hmm. It was just a concert they put on pay per view that I made my. I ordered, and I was going to have a group of friends come over, and then I realized none of my <laughs> friends liked Iron Maiden, except for Bill, and I'm sure he was. He was, you know, this wasn't right. college. This was still high school, so he was off doing. He was probably off with girls. <laughs> I was not at that point yet, so. Um, so I bought. I bought the thing, and what I recorded it on VHS. I wish I had it. I'm sure it's definitely on YouTube. Uh, and I remember I, I transferred it to cassette, or I called DNA Records, which is this little record store in Methuen, and be like, "Hey, I can get the bootleg of that uh, that concert on cassette." And the guy's like, "Yeah, so can I." I was like, "Oh, okay. yeah. I was trying to sell something." Um, but at the, at the end of the, the meanwhile, you're the, the concert, only person who wants to see this, <laughs> right? At the end of the concert, they um, well, this guy was great because he had little, he had record sized art, so I had a bunch of like album. Right. Art-sized and little posters. I'd get it at, at like flea markets or at this guy DNA Records, which I'm almost positive is still in Methuen. If you're in Methuen, wow, DNA Records. So, so can I just say, um, I'm sure. All right. So you just saying they put on a pay-per-view concert with a magician? Do we even need to have like a debate about <laughs> which band is better? <laughs> I think you just won the debate for me. <laughs> I think I think I won. I, no, oh no, no! I think I just won it for me. Because at the end of the concert, they killed. It was a big magic trick where they killed. They uh, executed oh. Bruce Dickinson. Oh, that so that's how we like the Okay, I stand corrected. That is pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. So um, this is the, and they put out like two live albums at that time: a real live one and a real dead one. And look. This is 93. So I'm at the same time that I love Iron Maiden, I was trying to be a little more 
mature. I'm thinking like, you know, I, I, I love Maiden still, but again, I was getting more into Metallica. I was also finding all the grunge right. stuff. I was bringing to Alice in Chains and, um, and, and Pearl Jam and all that stuff. So I was all over the place. Um, and I still kind of liked my hair music, but that was dying and off. But, you know, Bruce leaves the band. I'm thinking, that's it. You know, I had my chance. I listened to them for three, four years. The band's done. Um, there's no internet. I'm a freshman in college and I come home one day and my brother's like, here, and he puts it on my table and it's the X factor. And I think, you know, back then I would have to go to like Walden books, run in, grab hit parader, grab some of these metal magazines, sift, look for Maiden, yep. get some no tidbits of news. That's the only way you got news. And it's not like MTV is broadcasting right. the latest in, on Iron Maiden. So no, Right. Nothing on the radio, nothing anywhere. Now, it's probably different right. overseas, but here, nothing like that. Um, so it's very weird, but I feel like I, ha- I have this weird memory of being in Suncoast Video with that same guy, Bill, walking around. And I think the guy there knew who was take- that they were getting a new singer. It's this guy from Wolfsbane. I was like, I don't know. I don't know anything about it, but I got the album. We put the first, al- first song on, which was um, Sign of the Cross, and I was like, this is it's Iron Maiden. This is awesome. His voice was different, but he, he still he had a pretty yeah. powerful voice. It was different though. Um, and that that album, you know, I listened to, and that's that is probably the still the album to this day that I listen yeah. to the least. You know that I I know a bunch well, of the mean, songs, but they were all there were so many songs on there. There was blank blank of the blank, Lord of the Flies, um, uh, the yeah. Sign of the Cross. There was there was like at least three or four on there, and they all started off gloomy, picked up, and then ended gloomy. And I was like, mm, yeah. I, I didn't. I mean, I didn't. You're love it. sort of asking a lot when you bring in a third singer. Like to have two successful singers, right, is amazing. Like Iron Maiden was able to do it, and really, yep. Uh, and I don't know how successful the first guy was. I mean, they had the two big albums, but it, they didn't blow up. Yeah, I mean, Bruce Dickinson was is the singer of that right. band. But technically they had two successful singers like killers is recognized, uh, you know, as one of the most classic yeah. metal albums. I think definitely not. It's just that the number of the beast is recognized as like top yeah. five, most classic metal album, you know? So, but I mean, you've had ACDC do it. You had Van Halen do it, but when Van Halen, you know, no disrespect to Gary Sharon and, your your guys in extreme there. I know how much Look, you love it's extreme. It's very straight. It's, I know it sounds weird, but I but like freaking lightning, love extreme. Lightning struck twice. I you saw. Do. I saw you do. You're you're Maiden. the biggest Iron Maiden fan I know, and you're the biggest extreme fan that I know. <laughs> I saw them with Sharon. I saw Van Halen with Sharon. We won tickets, but I definitely went and I loved it. And I think you're the only person who probably would have preferred to see them with Sharon. <laughs> no, I don't know about Even that. Even Gary but... Sharon would rather see them with. <laughs> would rather see them with a. Uh, David Lee Roth, but but I bring that up because they had three singers. It's like lightning struck twice for them. Like you can, I know that Van Hagar has their critics, but there's no denying the success of that era. And you know, like in, but you're just asking a lot from people in general when you bring in that third singer. To you're asking a lot when you replace David Lee Roth. You're asking even more when you're replacing. 
uh, Sammy right. Hagar, and it's not David exactly. Roth coming in. I mean, with Van Halen, they're replacing. <laughs> it's the same thing with Iron Man. But, but with similar. Van Halen, they were replacing David Lee Roth with Sammy Hagar, who was already a huge star. And I can't believe 55 had just True. come out. Um, yeah. And, you know, they they had the luxury of MTV and they put out, you know, to me, 5150 just screams summer. I was like, every time I hear that, that album yeah. is summer. Um, well, plus, it, it didn't Iron Maiden no favors too of like the X Factor came out on what? Like, that was the mid 90s, right? That came out my freshman year of college. Mm, no. My sophomore year of college, so ninety five. I'm guessing that was like, yeah, I was gonna guess like ninety five. So I like, think I know. It, during nineteen ninety five, metal was like sort of dead in the water, with a few exceptions. You know, like it, metal like was just not like the grunge era had sort of died out. Metal was sort of stagnant. Rock music was really going no place, um, for like that period of time right in the mid 90s i feel like so that so not only do you have a third singer coming in but it's coming in at a point where in like time where people are just not all that interested in what you yep. have to offer yep even if bruce Dickinson was in that band like the popularity would have gone down for them. yeah it was it was 95 and you know even then i didn't realize x factor was because it was their 10th album um uh, they, uh, seven Sun was the seventh album, honest, so. um, but they didn't do it with that. Then they had fear. Then they had no prayer for the dying. Fear of the dark. X Factor. Um, so again, that came, and you know, I listened to it, but I didn't go crazy with it. Um, then they came out. with I love, by the way, that this is the abridged I know, version. I'm, I, <laughs> I know. I'm going through it as quickly as I can, but I, I don't want to leave anything out because they're so fucking good. No, no. I, I, I'm loving this. So, I'm loving this. So, uh, junior year of college, um, Best of the Beast comes out. Best of the Beast comes out. They have uh, two, you know, a double CD. I was excited. Um, I don't know why I was excited because it was just songs I already had, but I was like a new, new maiden. There was like, one new song on there i think virus there was a couple songs of um blaze bailey that he did live um and i really dug and that's when i that is when i really started falling in love with fear of the dark i know it's crazy but it was blaze's live version. no i because it was the I, live I, i'm i'm gonna interrupt you yep. there because so you want to talk about you being late to the party but i mean i'm much younger than you so i was ultra late to the iron man party So I had, uh, you know, some working knowledge of Iron Maiden. I knew a couple songs. I knew them through you um, and others, but I never got around to buying an Iron Maiden album until Brave New World, which came out when I was in high school. So I was, you say you were late to the party. I was way late to the party. Um, it's 2000. Yeah. And I freaking love that album. To this day, that is my favorite, from start to finish, that is my favorite modern Iron Maiden album. I say modern even though it's 18 years old now. But Out of the silent planet. Oh, love that album. because. But I, since Bruce Dickinson rejoined the band, they've. I feel like they've come out with a long series of records. They've been very, um, they've just been like, crapping things out left and right i feel like <laughs> that that <laughs> you mean you mean you mean shitting out solid gold sure uh in some cases yes 
we dance and we prance. <laughs> right. So, uh, but, but out of out of those out of this, I, let's call it the second wave of Bruce Dickinson. Out of uh, yep. the two thousand albums, uh, you know, the last eighteen years or so since Bruce Dickinson's rejoined the band, that is still to this day from start to finish my favorite. But after I. Uh, got that album like i gotta go back and start diving into the classics so the reason i bring all that up is because best of the beast was my first entry point into the classics so that was like a relatively new album it had the you know the go-to's the fan favorites the hits if you will and that was when i really dived into it a fear of the dark i the first time I ever heard that song was the live version on best of the beast where everybody is singing every single note. And And that was, that was was blaze Bailey singing it too, right? No, it was was Bruce. So some reason I thought best of the beast. There are, I remember to my knowledge, it was all Bruce except for two songs. There was two songs from uh, the Blaze Bailey years. You're absolutely right. I am I am disgusted with myself. You should be disgusted with yourself. Which I'm so basically I'm more of a source of knowledge and information about Iron Maiden than the host of Maiden Fan Podcast. You know what? What? It was fear it was afraid to shoot strangers. That I believe, um, maybe I don't. I think know, you're just making up songs now. I think I'm just making <laughs> up. Uh, honestly, I would fall asleep to that album in college, like every night. But so you, you came into the, the really, really late. Yeah, it was um, really late. But I mean, I was in high school at the time, so I feel like I was like an appropriate age to discover Iron Maiden. It's just you know, not oh, exactly. Perfect. 1983, you know, <laughs> right. but you know, it feels like, um, and just I'm gonna quickly go through where, where I, you know, after X Factor, you know, I, I was glad it came out, but I was, I was also listening to you know, whatever was, you know, current at that time, and I was really, really listening to a lot of Faith No More. Um, Still one of my all time favorites, right? Um, and then, uh, Best of the Beast, of course, but I listen to it constantly. I still love them. I still wore Maiden shirts all over, you know, Fitchburg State. And it wasn't, it's my senior year. I don't know. Again, by that time, we had the internet in our dorms. Um, and I somehow, I think I was just searching ironmaiden.com right. back then. Um, and it might have been ironmaiden.co.uk back then. And I saw that they had another album coming out. Um, called Virtual Eleven, and they had a video for like the Angel and the Gambler, which is really bad screen green screen video. <laughs> and I said to my wife, I said, Tammy, I need to steal your car that this giant boat that she drove. Uh, we would drive to college in, and I drove across Fitchburg to the mall. Went into the mall. I think I I might have borrowed money from her too, um, and I bought Virtual Eleven. And where X Factor, I listened to. But I didn't go crazy with. I feel like Virtual Eleven. I went nuts. I listened to that constantly. Really, and that was Blaze Bailey, and I love that album. Wow, interesting. I can, yeah. Um, 
Okay, so this is driving me nuts. Oh no, that's these are live albums. I'm looking at discography and I'm like, wait a second. Best of the Beast. Iron Maiden has before. more best of and more live albums than oh, any freaking band. Like it is obnoxious. Like, like they just came out with a like I feel like they just came out with another live album like in the last year or two. I'm like, really? Who like I love Maiden Live. Who needs twenty right. live albums? Like I have the uh there's the L Oh my god, I can't even think another of it. Another reason there's by some the way, album the that, that you, your wife <laughs> your wife got to be. But you, you know what to me, I think they do this constantly because they want to package what they are in one stop so that you could say, Whoa, I want to see this band live. And they don't have the knowledge that you know Metallica has. So they're they're constantly putting out collections where you can be like, hey, check this out. They are they are the they are they have so much um like uh I can't even think of what it is. Not just, you know, so many different things you could buy right. that but they're not KISS. They're not there. Yeah. Please. Like it's well, funny because I see, I see these little toys, I see all these things. I'm like, but they're but they're not KISS. They they do They're not, not yet have Eddie condoms. They don't have Eddie condoms that I know yet. Of. They don't have an Eddie coffin yet. Yeah. Believe me, I'm if they have an Eddie coffin, you're gonna see my dead body <laughs> in it someday. I if they have an um, Eddie coffin, I will make sure. Put it in your will, please. <laughs> Write a will tonight. I will make sure. Yeah. That you are buried in it someday, <laughs> right? And even if there isn't one, just get like get like you know those guys that do car wraps and just wrap it. <laughs> it'll probably wrap me in some. It'll metal. probably happen tonight after your wife hears this. <laughs> <It's episode. fantastic. laughs> here's you your wife's gonna be room. like, "What? What is there a receipt on here for a coffin?" <laughs> it was on Amazon it's for an Eddie coffin. No worries. Right? Uh, what? It's funny that you know we're we've already talked for like. 50 minutes and we haven't done any debating but i'm just you are a metallic your metallica podcast everyone there knows metallica this is for some of the people who may not know iron maiden and who definitely don't know handsome right listen Um, i've enjoyed all the time recording um i'm a big iron maiden fan and I, i i always find it interesting how people discovered different bands because I know I did the first episode of Metallica about my Metallica story, how I discovered the band. And I put something up on uh, the Metallica fan club forums as sort of like a follow-up sort of promote the episode or whatever. But like, I got a lot of responses and I was fascinated at how, like all the different ways so many different people from around the world got into the same band that I love, you know, like so-and-so saw one for the first time on MTV so-and-so heard the memory remains on FM radio. So-and-so saw them in a club in 83. Their friend in high school turned them on to Master Puppets. Like so many different entry points for so many different people that are just about this same band that you all love, you know? It's really it fascinating. Right. It really does. Right. See, the like not right now, you know, when we talk about metal or we talk about wrestling or whatever we talk about, I, I don't think about the age difference. But when I was 17, you were, you know, eight right. years old. And I was already all into these things and you probably weren't there yet. But 
that's where I'm like, when I heard your first episode and you were like, I was like, wait, you got into them with this album. Yeah. And I was like, man, by this point I'd already seen them. And yeah. it's, and I, I, I think of you, I think of Metallica, but it's just funny that, you know, it's, you're almost like the, the right next generation, right. if not, you know, the next, right. whatever. No, totally. I um, get what you're saying. Yeah. So I'm just going to flash back to 1999. Um, and I was not yet at my job. Now I, um, I've been at my job now since 1999, but early on, um, I was temping someplace and I'm on the computer and I think I just happened to go to ironmaiden.com. I don't, or I saw a headline. I don't know where, but that just showed these six old British guys all holding up a beer. And I see this Bruce Dickinson with the short hair. I see Adrian Smith back in the band. I see Yanniker is still in the band and it says, uh, Bruce Dickinson and Adrian Smith rejoin Iron Maiden. Um, new uh, m- new collection comes out with CD-ROM game and a new tour. I'm like, what, what, what? So I, what, 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 what? A CD-ROM? What is that? <laughs> so I immediately I immediately text my brother's beeper. No, I'm just kidding. This was 99, so we didn't have cell phones yet. I don't think we even had email yet. I might have had to call him. Oh, uh, the worst. When um, he had to call somebody. 99. Wait a minute. It was 1999. I just went home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and I, you know, freaking out about this, um, immediately saw that they were going to put on a concert in Boston. Uh, right. I mean, this was, again, I hadn't seen this since 1991. Right. You know, I've seen Maiden nine times, but if from 91 to 99, nothing. So, uh, 99, because they toured, I feel like they played, I hate to say it, like a club in Connecticut with Blaze Bailey. Like they, they, they didn't have that tour. They didn't have that massive tour with yeah. them in mass in, in the U S right. with Blaze. Um, so they, they put out this, uh, again, and it's another, it was a double CD with, you know, just other songs on it. Um, another greatest hits basically, but I had to get it because it was Iron Maiden and it had the great uh, Ed Hunter video game, which was the biggest piece of shit. <laughs> but anytime you buy, anytime I Do bought a computer game, my computer affiliated video run. game is just not good. <laughs> like Aerosmith right. had theirs back in the like, day. Do you remember that one? I do. I remember. I remember Journey having one. There for was the Atari a, there 26. was a Metallica one in development, like in the early two thousands, that never saw the light of day. So we all dodged that bullet. <laughs> it's like, and it's funny that you know Maiden puts out Ed Hunter, and you're like, well, they learned their lesson. No, no, they have a, they've. I mean, they have their app now, and yes, they there's a version of Angry Birds with Iron Maiden, which still blows yeah. my mind. To me, Iron Maiden still feels like that niche band that when I hear someone say, oh. I, I know them. I'm, I'm like, you know the shirts. Right. You don't know the band. Well, so, I mean, I th- that's um, part of pop culture now, I think, in general, is that you have this, like, you have these iconic bands with these iconic logos that are just people who've never... I, I'm i a teacher in Harlem, New York. The amount of Metallica t-shirts I see in Harlem, and I this might sound bad, might sound like I'm racially profiling it's not my intention at all but i've been to a lot of metallica shows i know a lot of metallica fans I, the people i see wearing metallica shirts around harlem are not the same people i see at metallica shows you know it's, it's no. a fashion statement hey i mean we went i mean we just it's 
it's a fascist statement. But yeah, I mean, yes, these band, these concerts we go to are usually just weird yeah, white dudes. Yeah. That's just the way it I is. I wish, I wish. That's why when, you know, my friend from college, when he <laughs> he got us tickets to see Slayer. Remember, we yeah. saw Slayer with my friend from college, and he's, he's a black guy, and I'm like, you want to go see Slayer? He's like, yeah, I don't know. We <laughs> We're out. all in this together. It was, it was fun, but it was like, you know, he's like, I think he was already looking, like, he was saying, yeah, I'm going to go see Jay-Z. And I was like, I mean, not to be, not to profile, but yeah, that's the kind of music I knew you listened to in college. I knew this kid when I, mean, I, you know, when I was in college. To a certain extent, it's a cultural they, they, thing, you know, where like, yeah, um, I, I grew up in New Hampshire that I grew up around all white people. There's not uh, a big, uh, anything else demographic and you know the air i grew up in was still very rock heavy so i, I grew up with a lot of rock loving white people you know that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's yeah, that was the name of your first band people. yeah never caught on though yeah um, no so just to uh, so we went to see Maiden in 99 uh sadly adrian smith's father i believe passed away so he was not at the band so like the first time I'm like, come on, they're not all together. Bruce comes out dancing and prancing. <laughs> I was like, yes, this is amazing. They clutch opened up for them. Remember, yeah, you know, I clutch, clutch. Yeah. They opened up for them. There's still a thing. Um, still it was in the Boston Orpheum. Yeah. Yeah. They, it was so hot in there in the Orpheum that m- my brother almost melted. Uh, I was like, he, he, I think he left for the last time. I was like, I'm not leaving. I cannot leave. This is the this Orpheum. Is, I don't know. For those you know, these people guys, listening who do not know, is like an old school opera theater in Boston, Massachusetts. Yep. And, you know, the way I see it is, you know, even in 99, these guys are already old. I don't know how many more times, how many times I'm going to see it. I'm not going to leave. I'm not, I'm never going to leave. But you're still at the Orpheum. show. You're recording done. at the Orpheum right now. Yeah. Right. I, I say that, but for some reason, I feel like I have to leave another time. Um, <laughs> and it might have been the next year. Cause my brother's like, we need to get out of here. Um, but like it was so hot in there that my brother bought like this guy was selling drinks outside and we bought the whole bag and screwed everyone behind us in line. <laughs> um, that was ninety nine, you know two thousand. All of a sudden, Brave New World comes out. I, I had to download the real player to like watch it because there was no YouTube then. Watch the video for it, thinking this is awesome. Bought the CD and I remember, you know, plug putting the CD into my DVD player. I was a newlywed and lying down on my living room floor like a little kid, looking at the liner notes and listening to every song. I missed that was those 2000. days of just um, putting on an album, yeah, doing nothing else but listening to that album, having the album physically in your hands and like reading yeah. the lyrics. I would read yes. like who wrote what song, who was playing what instrument, who produced. Like I was like in the weeds with it, you know. I did that for Book of Souls, my friend. I did that for Book of Souls. Um, so where am I? Okay, so 2000 comes around. They Then they do the tour for that. So I saw them um, uh, b- 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 with Queensryche and Halford, which was awesome. Um, then nothing for a couple of years. Uh, then they, they did, sometimes they do these kind of legacy tours where they just do a bunch of right. greatest hits. There's no album to go out and see. That's when you, yes. you came. That to was concert. my first this Iron Maiden first show. Time. And it is still to this day, if I had to make a top five list of best concerts I've ever been to, I'm not sure exactly where I'd rank in the top five, but that would definitely be in the top five. 
that was amazing because we were in fourth row, right in the center stage. It was Dio, Motorhead, Iron Maiden. Unbelievable. They didn't have any album to promote. They played one song from um, their, the Dance of Death, which was yeah. coming out, I think, the following year. And they didn't, they didn't care if you uh, recorded their concert. They didn't care if you downloaded it. And they kind of made fun of Metallica. And I grabbed you because you had your Maiden shirt, your Metallica shirt on. <laughs> I was like pointing at you. Like, Bruce, look at this asshole. And he was like, I um, could care less. So that was... that was i think i think that was oh three right so that was oh three then um i believe honestly then there was a string of maiden concerts where you were at all of them so um oh 2006 uh we went to a matter of life and death that's where they played the entire matter Matter of life Life and death death. that was was a that, that was, was yeah. not my favorite show. That was probably I, my I, least I, favorite I, you show. Know what? I, gotta, I give Iron Maiden credit because they are, one, they're a phenomenal live band, but two, like I appreciate any band who's like, you know what? We're going to do whatever the hell we want at this show. This is our show. So you're paying right. to see us. We will decide what we're going to play. We're not going to play whatever you want to hear. And, but yeah. at the same time, I'm like, do yep. you really want to play? this whole album <laughs> from start to finish. <laughs> right. And they had a giant, they had a giant tank on stage. Then they played like uh, uh, fear of the dark. And um, I think it was, uh, you know, two minutes to midnight. They played like four or five songs, but it felt like we were waiting for matter of life or death to end. Cause I was, I mean, the album wasn't that wasn't out that long. So I was like listening to it and listening to it, like studying it. It was the week the album came out, if I recall. Yeah, so like I was, it was. So not only did bad. they play the full album, but they played it at a time where nobody was that familiar with the album. Even like the most diehard, loyal Maiden fans were still like yep. getting acquainted with the album. And the opening act, do you remember? Bullet for my Valentine. Very good. Now I just skipped over a Maiden show. What? But it wasn't quite a Maiden show. Back in 2005, you were there. I was there. We weren't together. OzFest. Oh, yeah. That was before they got like egged and stuff. Yeah, that was. Yeah, but he was talking about like, look, we're. He was saying, look, we're the type of band. We're going to put out new albums and keep touring for new albums. We're not just going to put out. We're not just going to go out there and say, hey, look at us. We're we're history. Right. Basically throwing that at Ozzy. But to this day, you know, Sharon Osbourne to me. She can rot in hell for all I can. <laughs> but again, going she back can burn in the fiery pits of hell. <laughs> going back to that though, like I respect it. And I think, you know, that is what Metallica's been so good at, but they do a better job, in my opinion, of balancing it. So like when I saw them, um the last time I saw them was on the World's Wire tour when they were playing the stadiums, and I saw them at uh I still want to call it Giant Stadium, but MetLife Stadium in New York. Oh, and God. They played, I think they played at least four new songs, maybe five new songs. Not only did those five songs get a strong, positive reaction from the crowd, but they balanced it with all the other stuff that the casual fan would want to hear. Among Was that Death Magnetic? No, this is on their current oh, tour on Hardwired. Same. So like, oh, you just yeah, saw them? Yeah, like oh, this past man. summer. That's right. This tour with yeah. Beat? So oh, they they cool. came out. They played. They started with two songs. They played Hardwired and Atlas Rise back to back. So like, 
the start with the new song when you're a band like Metallica, Such a good I feel like is a pretty ballsy move. And then to start with two new songs is a ballsier move. But the like the place went nuts. People were eating up this, these live songs, uh, these new songs rather. And they sprinkled like two or three other songs in their set. But the, the difference is, is that they played for almost three hours. They played like for the casual fan, they played all the big hits off the black album for the diehard fan. They played, you know, old school thrash stuff like fight fire with fire. You know, like it was a good mix for that catered to everybody, anybody who would be there while still playing new stuff and establishing them as like a relevant modern band rather than like a nostalgia act. And I feel like Iron Maiden does not always get that balance right. I feel like they do all or nothing. Like they're like, okay, this is a legacy show. We're going to play all old shit. All right. Right. This is our, we're going to play whatever you want. Here's our full album from start to finish that we just released this week. Like there's, and, and there's a part of me as a musician that respects that, but there's part of me as a fan who's not that entire me where I'm just like, okay, enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I get it because like the first time I saw them, you know, they were promoting no prayer for the dying, but again, that was their eighth album. You know, they have 16 albums now. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. Uh, you know they, they they have more that they could choose from. Sure. Yet they 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 you know I've only heard them play a Blaze song once or twice. Um, you know they don't they they never play anything. I've heard them play a No Prayer for the Dying since then. Uh, they play like Afraid to Shoot Strangers yeah. once. Um, it's like, but they definitely will have a tour where they're putting out a new album, um, and then they'll play that album. Uh, the last couple times, like the time that we went, we saw the um, no prayer. No, what was it? Um, somewhere back in time tour. Yeah. So there was just all old stuff. I feel like that um, was the same the next time, time as Ozfest. Am I wrong? Like it overlapped with that. That was that was a couple years later. That was like oh eight. But so Ozfest, honestly, I think they knew if I recall right. Right. No, I think that was just to be on Ozfest. They did like no Ed till you're dead or some crazy. Yeah. I don't know. They, it was. Oh, you know what it was? It was the the history of Iron Maiden had just come out, I believe. So it was all kind of around mm-hmm. that. Um, but they had like so um, the Ed Hunter tour was just you know greatest hits. Uh, the the next year they did the Brave New World, so they everything was Brave New World. But again, they 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 mixed in hits. I mean, I've seen them a couple times now where they don't play Run to the Hills, and I'm like, yeah. um, the the Dio show again. It was just hits. Right. The um, they did Made in England, that was in twelve, I believe, and then um, I think since then that, that was last year was the one where they put out Book of Souls. Um, I never saw them do anything. Oh no, um, Matter of Life and Death, of course, was a ton of that. I never saw any tour for Dance of Death. I'd have, I've never heard them play a song from Dance of Death. Um, uh, Final Frontier again. They didn't. I don't think they toured around for Final Frontier for us. I didn't see any Final Frontier. Um, but they they don't even now. They didn't play anything from that. They don't. But they. I think they like to say, "Hey, these are our albums too," um, and they want to. They they want to choose from them. But then they'll play the old stuff. Like now they're doing Legacy of the Beast tour, but it's only going to yeah. be in Europe. I would almost prefer to see that than to see the Book of Souls tour because it was. You know, I love. 
some of these songs from Book of Souls, but I don't, I don't have a long enough relationship with them that they don't they don't go oh, right, when I right. hear them. And it's not that they're not good; it's not that they're not hearing. But there's like a personal connection well, you get with these songs. You, you yeah. have your songs, and I think you know that's it is. the case with any band. And I think too, when you are a band as successful as Iron Maiden or Metallica, you have, um, and you have such a passionate audience that is so drawn to, um these old songs and these old albums is that it's like almost when right everything at this point after this point is yeah, you know, sold out yeah, everything after like, the black album it's like almost like, like the black album was a line in this yeah like hardwired or self-destruct i think is a brilliant album i think it's a phenomenal album from start to finish I and i think most people felt that way but you're always going to have those haters like well it's not master puppet it's like well no, go listen to Master right. Puppets. That's why that album exists, you know? Yeah, exactly. But it's funny, like, I think of, like, the Black album as that line for Metallica. And for me, for Maiden, it's always been Seventh Son because that's right. when I started listening. Everything before that was, like, all the stuff I need to catch up on. Now it's all this new stuff that I, I is, is new for me and new for everybody else. And I think of, oh, that, you know, Bruce has been back in the band, but... um you know, the classic Maiden, he was in, you know, he's been back for a few years. He was in Maiden from, I think he joined in 80, 81, uh, and he left in, you know, 92 or yeah. something like that, 93. I mean, he was in the band for six albums and uh, 12 years, and he's been back in the band for 18 years, 19 years, right. and six albums. So it's weird, like, I I wonder what it would have been if he didn't leave, but, you know, it is what it is. I mean, we have the we have the two Blaze albums. I got to see Blaze in New Hampshire uh, with Jeff Tate and Rick Owens. It was and you, you all know, played was, with sadness. And, <laughs> look, Blaze Bailey, he's chubby, uh, but and he can't sing like Bruce. But he he had, he was so much fun. He's just no Bruce little theater. Theater. But but again, though, too, where the like we have that personal relationship with Bruce Dickinson and like that era of Iron Maiden, you know? And it's like, it, it, as yep. most people do. So when somebody new comes along, you're like, who the fuck is this guy? What? Like, you know? Right. I mean, changing out your bass player. I mean, no, no matter how uh, iconic yes. Cliff Burton is to me, he was that, he was the guy who used to play bass who, you know, obviously tragically died, but I still, I was like, I got into the band. So did you? I well, maybe at yeah. the Jason Newsted level. Yeah, that's how I knew them. That's how I you you know one you know Cliff Burton just looked like this hippie guy. I was like, how was he doing in Metallica? Was the first um, bassist I ever heard of Metallica, but it's ironic because when I went back right. and listened to the old stuff, it was hearing like anesthesia pulling teeth, like in those bass solos and those bass lines and the various songs that really made me passionate about the bass. So like. I credit Cliff Burton as my number one influence on the bass, but it's ironic because Jason Newstead was my introduction to bass players in Metallica. And for a period of time, That's, he yeah. was the only bass player I knew ever played in Metallica because I was young when I discovered them. So it, yeah, I was confused. I, 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 I talked mean, about this in the first to... episode, but I was confused when I bought Kill 'Em All as to who this Cliff Burton guy was in the liner notes. I was very confused. I was confused when I bought Iron Maiden. I said, why does it sound different? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know God. I didn't wow, know. his voice has really changed over the years. It didn't. Yeah. 
Yeah. Wow. He just, he really kind of picked up his, he really learned how to sing a couple of years later. Um, but it's, it's very different. I mean, you know, you're the main core guys of the band for Maiden are, you know, uh, I mean, for Metallica, are the the those? I mean, you, you want to say Lars and James, yeah. but Kirk too, because yeah. he's been there since album one. Um, but to me, he, he it always feels like I don't. Know, I hate to say the the Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, but it always feels like James and Lars are the totally. like, decision. They makers. are. I mean, they're right. They are the band, like in a nutshell. Like if you had to, they not that. The, you know, if we're talking modern day Metallica, not that Kirk and Robert Trujillo do not have say in artistic or business decisions, but James and Lars are steering the ship. It, right. I feel like they got better. I feel like they're probably better to Robert than they were. I, to I think that's accurate to say, but based on everything I've heard, including from the mounts of they Jason Newstead, like, and and even like the other band members, I would say that's absolutely true. But the, like you said, they yeah. they're not alcoholics anymore. They're older, they're wiser. You know, like it's a whole right, different. Exactly. They're you could make an argument that they're entirely different people now than they were in '86 uh, right. when Newstead was auditioning. You know. Yeah. Now, which one of them in their band flies the plane? Oh, I would imagine Lars Ulrich, right? That's what they. I think you have to learn oh, how to fly God. a plane Seems to graduate uh, grade school in Denmark. So it's a day. <laughs> it's, 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 it's tennis and plane. And plane so we've flying. been talking a long Island. time now. Is it possible that we will have to split this episode into two parts, even? So anyway, after the 2012 show, no, yeah. <laughs> we've been talking a long time. It's been great. I don't know if we've. I but, don't know if we've actually had a uh, d- debate though. <laughs> no, we got. No, I'm saying I'm not wrapping no, up. Okay. I'm saying let's transition now into the debate. Well, um, I, I want to say one thing. In, sure. um, you know, you talked about you saw. We've taken little jabs at each other, right. but we have. You not saw Metallica at Giant Stadium. MetLife, Met as uh, the millennials call it. Yes, you've seen them. You saw the big four at what was that? Was that City Field? That was at Yankee Stadium. Yankee. Yeah. So that's the, the one thing that you that Maiden, as far as I'm concerned, couldn't do in the states is a tour like that. They're a fifteen thousand right. seat. You know, they could. I'm sure they could bang out the TD Garden, but whenever we see them now, it's always. Um, at Great Woods, which is what, 13, 14,000? I would say roughly. We, so let's, all right. And it was packed. Uh, I'm going to stop you for so a I'm going to say that, but they're not, you know, it is what it is. I'm going to stop you for a moment because I feel like that's a good way to transition into this. So. Give me fuel, give me fire, give me that which I desire. That concludes part one of Metallica versus Iron Maiden. As I said at the top of this episode, part two will be in episode five of Metallicast, and we'll be diving straight into the debate to determine, once and for all, which band is the better band. I got a hint for you. The answer is, of course, Metallica. Please, if you're not already, subscribe, download, and review Metallicast. You can find us on iTunes, Google, Stitcher, 
YouTube, and of course our home site, fansnotexperts.com. If you can leave a five-star review, if you can tell your friends to check us out, anything you can do to support the show and spread the word is much appreciated. Thank you to everybody who already has been doing that. Nothing but love for you guys. Follow Metallicast on Twitter, at MetallicastPod. Follow Maiden Fan Podcast on Twitter, at Maiden Podcast. And follow Fans Not Experts on Twitter, at Fans Not Experts. Now, for those who have been listening to the first few episodes, I like to end each one with a cover of a Metallica song. But for the end of this episode, I'm going to mix it up a little bit. I have a quick clip of Metallica jamming on some Iron Maiden. You're going to hear them do some of Prowler and then do a horrible rendition of the Run to the Hills introduction. I'm not sure what show this is from. Um, according to what I saw, it is from a Dallas, Texas show in 1989. I know they also jammed on the Prowler a bit on the 1992 tour, so not sure if what I saw is accurate or not, but it's from one of those tours, either from Justice or Black Album. So here it is. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, metal up your ass. Yeah! <laughs> Not experts.